I think those core values are ultimately what have gotten us to have this culture. When people ask me like, what's the elevator pitch on your culture? I always struggle with this. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It's a good place to work, but I think at the, at the end of it all, it can't be manufactured and it's gotta be organic. Welcome to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast, where we explore the strategies and experiences that are driving mid-sized manufacturers forward. Here, you'll discover new insights from passionate manufacturing leaders who have compelling stories to share about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from B2B sales and marketing experts about how to apply actionable business development strategies inside your business. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. The show is being brought to you by our sponsor, Cadenas Parts Solutions. I'm Joe Sullivan, your host and a co-founder of the industrial marketing agency, Gorilla76. What comes to your mind when you think of culture inside of your organization? Do you think about the work environment itself, the way people interact with each other, maybe the perks of working at your company? And how much can you as the leader of the organization shape that culture? Today, my guest is someone who spends a majority of his time with this exact topic. He also happens to be somebody I know pretty darn well. John Franco is the other half of Gorilla76 Ownership and my business partner of 14 plus years. In addition to co-leading the company, John's day-to-day duties are focused on growing and developing a great team rooted in great relationships and creating an award-winning culture. John's mission is to create the best workplace in St. Louis. John was named to the 2010 St. Louis Business Journal's 30 Under 30 class and was named as one of St. Louis's top young entrepreneurs by Small Business Monthly. He's a graduate of the Focus St. Louis Emerging Leaders Program and is a member of the 42nd class of Focus St. Louis Leadership St. Louis. John's a passionate Missouri Tiger and loves to spend his time in the outdoors, hunting, fishing, biking, and running. In July of 2019, he ran across the state of Ohio 174 miles in six days. I can confirm that this is actually real and actually happened (laughs) to raise money and awareness for the MS run the US. John has served as a board member for Launch St. Louis, a co-founder, the Friends of Clifton Park, co-founder of Brightside St. Louis. He volunteers with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Missouri, serving as a big brother. John currently sits on the board of trustees and is the vice chairman for the Gateway Area Chapter of the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. He's active with Bike MS, governance and community engagement communities. In early 2020, he was awarded the Community Awareness Award from the chapter for his fundraising and mentoring efforts. John's a graduate of the University of Missouri School of Journalism. John, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for the... It's always it's nice to hear... It, it makes me feel important hearing that description of myself. Hearing so. how awesome you are, huh? Yeah. yeah. I, maybe I, I'll just play that on repeat and I'll listen to it over and over again. There you so. go. When you're having a bad day. I like it. <laughs> yeah. So first of all, I think I've called you by your first name maybe five times in my whole life. And I'll probably do that. I'll probably double my count in the next 30 minutes. But for our listeners, John pretty much goes by Franco to people he knows his last name. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, your own mom calls you Franco at this point. Well, she, she's called me some other things. But yes, I, <laughs> I've, been call, I've been called a variety of things. Frank, Franco is a is very much a good thing to be called as, as, and, and John, yes, I, I, I could count on one hand the number of times you've called me John. So, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, yeah, this, so this could be a little awkward then, I guess, huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll get through it. 
well, before we get into it, it should be stated here that you know you and I run a marketing agency, and as as and marketing agencies are notorious for having crazy workplaces with ping pong tables and kegerators and dogs and skateboards and all that good stuff. And generally speaking, agencies tend to support a, a very progressive culture in terms of how people work and interact with each other. This podcast, of course, isn't for marketing people like us. It's for manufacturing people like sure. the ones we serve. Now, that said, I think some of the out-of-the-box ideas around culture and recruiting and retention that we've put into play and that you've largely led at this company would be really valuable or is going to be really valuable for our, our listeners to hear. Because the reality, I think, especially in a year like 2020, is that the workplace is changing, right? It's expectations from employees and future employees. It's changing too. And, and so I think we should start at a high level and talk about that and, you know, I guess my first question is, what are you seeing in terms of what employees and potential employees value the most about an employer right now? Yeah. And, and, and backing up just for a second, I mean, mm-hmm. when I think about the companies we are working with, I do see a lot of innovation in, in, in some of them as well, in some of the ways that they approach their workplace culture. And, and, and like a manufacturing company is, is obviously a lot more complex than we are whenever they have, there's a wide variety of types of workers you have in an environment like that. So it probably takes even more creativity. But yeah, I think talking about some of the things we're doing could be really valuable. And, and to start out, like what people are looking for, that was your question, right? Yeah. Yeah. What what do yeah. you see in people? Like what, what do they value the most about an employer right now, especially like during this crazy I, COVID era? Yeah. I, I It's work-life balance. I mean, that is the thing I continue to see. It is It is being able to leave work at work most of the time, that's not always possible, right? We know that. But most of the time, leave work at work and, and be able to have home at home. And, and that's really tough, right? Because I think for a long time, the, the literal threshold of a door that you, you have when you would like, for me, when I would walk into my apartment, I'd be like, I'm home now. Like, and, and Joe, you and I do a pretty good job of this, I think, of not working like crazy people. Right now, yeah, my, my hours are crazy. Your, hour, your hours can be crazy often. But we, we've done a pretty good job of being able to shut it off. And I think it's tougher now because of a lot of people are working in the same place they're living. Like I literally, when I'm in my apartment, I'm working from the same place where I watch TV, my couch. So it's being able to turn that off is, is a challenge. But again, work-life balance is something, especially this year, that I think people are, are really wanting. Yeah, pay is great. Benefits are great. Those things all tie into the overall package. But it, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I've talked about if if those ping pong tables are only in that office because you want people to stick around till ten or eleven, or yeah, you order pizza in every night and that's fun, and there's a video game, there's an Xbox system and whatever. But if if the main reason is just because people aren't being able to go home, well, then I, I it's not it, that's not sustainable. It's it's going to come back to bite you. That's that's my opinion and, and my personal experience so far. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I think you know this is a good lead into the topic of benefits. We've tried to do some things here, initiatives you've you've largely led to try to push the envelope on the benefits front a little. Could you touch on maybe a few of those out of the box ideas yeah. that we've tried to put in play? Yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a few things. I mean, first of all, all of our benefits, especially more lately, have come from ideas, feedback, things I'm learning from the company. We had a brainstorm last year. I, I called it a retention brainstorm. And, and not that benefits are the only thing that lead to retention. There's a million other things, but it's a big part of it. 
And I heard ideas and I heard things come out of that that I would have never, never thought of. I, for instance, I didn't realize how, I mean, I know health insurance is, is, in, is important. Without health insurance, I would be up a creek without, without a pedal, right? But in, in my personal life. So I know it's important, but I didn't realize how important us paying, taking on more and more of that cost was to our employees. I, I, I don't have kids, so I, I don't think about the dependence and the cost there. So that was something that came out of that brainstorm that was, that was very eye-opening. We had, you know, we had a score, we used some software, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but some software that helps in kind of measure engagement. And we were seeing that our, our wellness scores were low. So people weren't feeling super healthy in work. And, and that was a combination of stress, anxiety, literal like access to healthy foods in the office, like maybe replacing the soda with some, some sparkling waters, different things there. So that was, that was another kind of idea, the wellness committee. We have a, a sabbatical program. Somebody works here seven, seven years, they get six months off, or not six months, six weeks off. <laughs> and then they get a $5,000 bonus to put towards that, that, that time off. And hopefully they'll take a trip. So, you know, I, I think in our early days, we, our benefits were t-shirt and jeans and dogs and ping pong tables and lots of beer in the fridge. And Again, well, we don't have the ping pong table mainly because we ran out of room and it was just turning into a thing to set things on like most ping pong tables do. But I think we've started to look a lot more at, at the benefits that that really actually matter. And, and at, at the top of that, it's not a literal benefit, but but doing what we can to respect people's time outside of work because you got to be able to go home. You got to be able to recharge. You can't be working nonstop. Yeah, yeah. All good stuff. I I had a few others sort of written down to we hit on real quick, but you know a few other things that that we do that you know other that, that you could you know people listening here could think what what's your version of this? You know, we we've done summer Fridays in the past, yeah. right? Where we've we'll, we'll end work early on Fridays. You often it just same amount of work gets done. People just become more efficient so that they can or, get out early, right? Or or the evolution of that where we said all right, no more sun, summer Fridays. But what we're noticing is. The week of the July 4th is a wash. Often yes. our clients aren't in the office. So what if we took, instead of letting people out two hours or three hours or four hours early on a Friday during the summer, what if we figured out how much that adds up to be, which turns out to be roughly a week, and let's just give off the week of July 4th. Like, yeah. let's, let's give them the holiday off and let's give them, or I mean, the, the, the winter holidays as well as the summer holiday, and let's give a week recharge. Yep. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, exactly. How about the 5% raise to quit? Yeah. yeah. Again, like something that I don't even think about as a benefit, but it it is. I mean, and and we recently, we had an employee, great guy, very talented, ultimately was realizing he he thought he kind of wanted to go down one path with his career. And he was like, you know what, I've done this and and I, I can't thank him enough for coming to this realization that, you know what, my passion actually lies doing something else. And he came to us, had a very honest conversation and, and we have a policy in place. That, that kind of Joe and I came up with a while back that, that if you give us four weeks, four weeks to 12 weeks, if you give us any amount of notice within that, that range, we will immediately up your pay 5%. Are we trying to encourage people to quit? No. Is 5% really that much money at the, at the end of the day when you, you factor it out over, over at most 12 weeks? Not a ton. But what I think it does do is it creates it creates this environment and this space where people feel comfortable to be like, you know what? It's not a crime. It's not a sin to figure out that, that this isn't the right job for me. 
it's it, we've talked a lot, Joe. We're we're crazy to think people are going to retire with us. I hope every single person does, but it's it's crazy to think that. And, and I think that's something also we're learning with the younger younger generation, right? Like, and I think this is something that maybe some of our clients it, it's foreign to them, but for the most part, these people, at least the ones we're employing, they're not starting somewhere and finishing their career anymore. Like that, our, that, that was our parents' generation. It's just not happening anymore. Especially in marketing, the way you grow a lot of times is by taking a new job every two or three years. You get more responsibility, you get new pay, you get, that, that is how the perception is, 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 is how you grow. So we're already in an environment where people are going to be changing. So let's just make it as easy as possible. Let's give ourselves time to find the replacement. That's one of the huge benefits to us. Let's give that person time to find, to, to help them and to help them even look for jobs. So anyway, sorry, I rambled there, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a really good benefit so far. Now, yeah. how many times have we had to use it? Three or four, not that many, but our small sample size, it's worked perfectly every time. But I think you, you communicated the key point there. It, it's almost less about the 5% raise itself and more about like creating that environment where people are, where we can have that two-way conversation and figure out what's in the best interest. It's, it's never, it's a very rarely in the best interest of an employer when somebody quits and you got to scramble and find a replacement in two weeks. And yet a lot of em- employees on their end, you know, it's, it's hard for them to, to come to their employer and, and, you know, and and actually say I, I don't know if I'm happy here, and because they're afraid they're going to get fired on the spot. And so if we, if you could create that just very transparent two way dialogue and know that like we're let's help each other, like they'll help us figure out you know how to how to replace them when that time is right, and we can help them. You know, in in some of these scenarios, we've helped that person find a job and figure out a place where there's a better fit. So I think it's like just sort of breaking down that 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 barrier there. Hundred percent agree. Like getting rid of that stigma. Yep, the stigma. Yep, there you go. So, from my perspective, benefits are an example of something that ownership and management within a company can implement to create a more appealing workplace. But that's not what defines culture, right? You know, really, no. culture culture can't be manufactured, at least from my perspective. Instead, it needs to kind of emerge organically. And the best thing that people like you and I, as leaders of the company, can do is facilitate a work environment where people can grow and thrive. Like, would you agree with that? Hundred percent. I when I because that is something I have thought a lot about over the years. Is like there is this idea, and and we were guilty of it early on, myself especially, of of thinking you can manufacture culture, mm-hmm. and that came in the form of t-shirt and jeans at work, a dog, the, the beer fridge, like, Hey, there's skateboards, you know, whatever we, I don't think we've, yeah, I think there have been some skateboards here actually, but you know, that it, it all comes down in my opinion, are you adhering to your core values in core values? Frankly, five years ago, I rolled my eyes. I thought it was dumb. I was like, whatever, this is something somebody says, and then they never actually use it for anything. But when you think about our, our core values of results, improvement, relationships, excuse me, and kindness. Those are four things that if we nail all four of those, we are going to have a great culture. We're going to have happy clients. We're going to have happy employees. You and I are going to be happy. It's going to be a very good place. And, and so we've tied that into everything from our hiring process to the, the website, or like the copy on our website, the interview questions I ask. I mean, there are a million ways that we have this baked into our process that these core values lead, lead what we do. And those core values, I, I don't know how, if, if you remember kind of like when we did, when we went through that, that exercise, I always thought it was, and I think this is where I was getting it wrong, was I, I thought it was something you were like, all right, well, what do we want to be? 
And it, it, it's a little bit of that, but for us, it was more of who are we already and, and what are these core, core principles that we founded this company on? And it's results. If we don't deliver results for our clients, they should leave. I mean, that's the, that's our kind of mantra that my professor Steve Kopcha had that was good ad sell stuff, right? Like they don't win awards. They, they might win an award. Great. But at the end of the day, if that advertisement you're not doing and, and in our world, like, you know, PPC campaign we're doing, SEO initiative, whatever. If at the end of the day, it's not selling more for our clients, it's a waste of time. Improvement. You and I were, were two guys that were, I mean, you've got a bookshelf right behind you. I, I know you have a lot more books just to the side. I've got a whole shelf over here. I mean, we're constantly learning and reading. And, and I think that was baked into who we are. And, and I'm seeing that in our employees now. And then you've got relationships and kindness. We've always said like, we just won't hire jerks. We've had jerks and we've had to get rid of them. And we've had, we've had people that got close to getting a job offer, but then they came into an interview and I'll never forget. I had one guy put his feet up on the table, like just complete, complete cockiness. And I, I don't mind a little swagger. I like it actually, but not when you're interviewing, like, come on. So yeah, I think those core values are ultimately what have gotten us to have this culture. When people ask me like, what's the elevator pitch on your culture? I always struggle with this. Like, I'm like, I don't know. It, it's a good place to work. But I think at the, at the end of it all, it, it can't be manufactured and it's got to be organic. Yeah, well said. I completely agree. We're going to take a really quick break here to help pay the bills. So 2020 has been a weird year. Industries are facing new challenges as we navigate life without trade shows, events, and in-person meetings. Many businesses are bolstering their online tools to offer a better experience, while also making up for some of those missing trade show leads. And that's where Cadenas Parts Solutions comes in. They help you create a dynamic, shareable CAD catalog that you put on your website. Designers can preview your products from any angle and download in the format that they prefer. By improving the online experience, engineers and architects get the data they need for their design, and you get a fresh lead in your marketing pipeline. Who needs trade shows anyway? To learn more, visit partsolutions.com slash leads. Something that we've always tried to do here is kind of open the doors and the windows of our firm to the outside world. We, like We want to create as much trans- transparency in our workplace as possible so that future hires can see what it would actually be like to work here. And, and I think one place we've done that pretty well over the years is through social media. Can you speak to that a little bit and, and maybe about maybe even offer a tangible idea or two about how a, a manufacturing organization could you know do their version of that in their world? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's always where I see clients get social media wrong a lot of times is there's a time and place for selling on social media, even even in the B2B world. Like we've always said, like, yeah, Facebook's a place where people aren't thinking about work necessarily, but I guarantee you the vast majority of people on Facebook all have jobs somewhere. And you know, they're they're still, yeah, it might be outside of their nine to five that they're on 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 a Facebook or a Twitter, but it doesn't mean that they're still not they're still not kicking around business thoughts in the back of their head. But anyway, tangible examples. I mean, like Instagram, I, I think that is such a great tool for us. Okay. Like knowing our demographics of who we're typically trying to hire, knowing where they spend time. Instagram's a way, great way to show off the culture. Am I, are, are we going to use it to sell a $150,000 engagement to a manufacturing client? Probably not. It's probably not going to happen. Now, now, is it a place where they can be like, okay, well, I'm really interested in what these guys are pitching me. I want to go look at kind of what their team's all about or whatever. Yeah, it might be for that. 
but really it's a place to show off, like let's celebrate company anniversaries there. Let's celebrate employee birthdays. Let's let's celebrate if we launched a new site that we're proud of. Let's show a, a video kind of walkthrough of the site. When you've got a crew like our crew, a relatively creative crew, you have all time, types of goofy stuff happening in the office. It's always fun to show. But I think it's it's just using that that channel to to show what it's like to work here. To to what you said earlier, opening the doors and windows. Now this, you know, I, we have another client, a construction client. Their audience is very much more the Facebook play. Like that's where the people who work there, the people in their community, the people who they want to show their culture to, are on Facebook. So I mean, it it's may not be Instagram for everybody. For the us, that's who it is, but. It might be more LinkedIn. It might. I, I think that's where you just have to know who your audience is. But yeah, it's just showing off the culture you have and, and showing people what it's like to work there, I guess. Yeah. I mean, we've been inside the doors of, of a lot of, of B2B, you know, industrial sector companies where there's actually a really great culture there and people love working there and they do, they do fun things together and people are smiling. You can tell it's a good place to work, but there's literally zero opportunity for somebody to see that from outside the walls of that building. Like people who might be vetting them as, you know, as, as an employer, you, you all they've got is a, a page on their website that says careers and there's a paragraph of text and a link to apply. Why and, would you want to work there? I, and then you it might be a great place to work, but you'd never know it. Well, and then you look them up in Glassdoor and they have four reviews. They're, yeah. a, they're a 500 person company. They have four reviews. And guess who is writing the reviews on Glassdoor when you only have four? The people who absolutely hated it, right? Yeah. And, and that, honestly, it's not really I, it's not really social media. Although you can use it like social media. You can post sure. photo updates, et cetera. But Glassdoor, if there is one thing that I can, it, that is so easy and such low hanging fruit for people that are listening to to take an initiative on, it's Glassdoor. It's yeah. once you hire somebody three to six months in, send them an email and just say, hey, would you consider writing a review? Don't follow up with them. Don't hassle them about it. It's it's totally up to them and you want an honest review. I'm not saying game the system, no. but just ask for the review. I mean, most employees are more than happy to do it. If you're doing your job as an employer, they're happy at what they're doing and they want to tell. And people go to Glassdoor. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that say your Glassdoor reviews are the best I've seen. And I am like super interested in working for you. Yeah. I mean, everybody listening right now. Yeah. Pause right now. If you're listening, just Google your company name plus Glassdoor and just see what comes up. Because I, I would, you know, you might be cringing as you do it, but like for a lot of you, it's it's probably going to be like John said, the people who are disgruntled are the ones who like to go out there and talk about it. Yeah, the same and- same way when you buy something on Amazon and it's broken when it arrives, you're more likely to go there and write something about it than if you just are satisfied with it or you really like it, right? And you're you're never going to shut those people up, which is fine. You you yeah. need you need it to be honest. You need yeah. it to be transparent. Yeah. Exactly. But if you have if there, are, if there are 45 people that are really happy, well, that needs to be accounted for too. And yep. that needs to balance it out. And that will help that whenever you get that person that's going to come in and try to torpedo you, that's fine. You'll learn from it and you'll respond to it. And like, you should always respond to any comments you get, positive, negative, whatever, mm-hmm. but it won't hurt. It's like if you take a test, right? If there's five questions on the test and you miss three of them, your grade's going to be pretty bad. But if you have 100 questions on the test and you miss three of them, well, you got a 97%, right. you got an A+. Plus. So right. Right. that's the difference. 
Yeah, exactly. So, so Glassdoor, do you, do you see, uh, you know, what are the, what are the platforms? Like, like, do you hear people talk about Indeed or do they do people go look at Google reviews or? I do. I think, I think they're all relevant. I can't speak to it. I can't speak to it in a, in an extremely educated level for, for people who might be listening. I can tell you for our audience, Google reviews matter and, and Glassdoor reviews matter. Well, I think um, a good a good thing somebody could do is like here's a step for you right now. You you could go survey the, yeah. the ten most recent employees that you hired, and spend five minutes at talking to them, interviewing them very casually about what what process did they go through when they were looking for a job, and where did they go look to vet your own company? Because yeah. you'll they'll tell you. Well, you know it. I went. I went to Indeed. Or I went to Glassdoor. I looked at your Google reviews. I, you know, who knows? Maybe there's other places there that, that you don't even specific. realize. Right? Yeah, there may be yeah. trade specific forums yeah. that that you need to pay attention to. The best thing you can do is talk to your people, right? I mean, yeah. figure out what 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 was it that made them want to consider working here? How did they vet you? Where did they, you know, did they ask peers? So yeah, I think. And again, I think there. it's not always. It does tie directly to new business too, because Google reviews, for instance, like I know whenever we hire a vendor, I'm I'm doing the research. I'm seeing like, well, what's it look like? Like, do their people hate working there? Because if that's mm-hmm. the case, there's going to be a lot of turnover, and I'm not going to have the same representative that I worked with. Like, you know, like if if our accounting firm was changing CPAs every three months, well, we don't want to work with them, right? Like, if yeah. the people are unhappy, so. I, I would be willing to bet that I, I 100% agree you should survey the people. I would be willing to bet that Glassdoor and, and Google reviews are 90% of the time at the top of that list. Sure. I want to jump back to something that you, you mentioned early in this conversation. There's a software that we use called Office Vibe yeah. where... You know, really, I guess the point here is is you and I are both big believers that building a great culture largely stems from listening to our our employees, like figuring out what people care about, what matters to them. And you know you can't respond to every every suggestion or complaint and and make a big change to the organization, obviously, but you can identify patterns and then start to identify what things you think make the most sense to address yeah. at a higher level. And so talk about that concept, but make sure you hit on on office vibe because I think it's a really cool tool that has been helpful to us in a lot of ways to create that in the anonymous dialogue, especially. So I'll I'll stop there and let you speak to it. Yeah, I think I think when I think a lot about what our roles are like now, Joe, it's like, and I'm not saying we're like, I do think we're really good at what we do. I know we're really good at what we do. But it's almost kind of like being like I always think about Phil Jackson, the, the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Like when he, well, he's been a coach of a variety of places. And when he was with the Lakers, whatever. That guy at the end of the day wasn't telling Michael Jordan how to improve his jump shot. He wasn't telling Scottie Pippen how to play better defense. He wasn't telling Kobe like to be more, to be tougher on the floor, or Shaq to box people out, right? He was managing, he was putting them in a position of success. He was helping them manage the struggles they were having. He was an ear to listen to. So I think when it, it all stems from that mentality of like, our management now is listening more than it is telling people what to do. I can't tell Ray, our developer, how to develop a website. I, I, it'd be a disaster. There's no way I, we would, it would be bad. I can't tell our writers. I, I went to a good journalism school. I wrote for a long time. I still write a little. I can't tell them how to be better writers. 
what I can do is I can listen to them, you know, struggles they're having maybe internally with, with an issue or a client they're struggling with. So Office Vibe is a software that has helped us do that. It's, it's a per month subscription. It's not expensive. The data you get from it, I, I'd be, well, I hope they don't listen to this. I'd be willing to pay three or four times what they charge. But it's, it's, it, it essentially is an anonymous, it's an anonymous survey that goes out once a week. It's very simple. You can answer the questions in probably 30 seconds. They've almost created, I always describe it as it's almost like gamification. Like the interface is really nice. The UX is nice. So it's actually like kind of fun to do this survey. And why it's nice is because it gives you a, it gives you running data. A lot of companies or a lot of approaches are let's do our annual employee survey. Well, and they conveniently do it after they've given bonuses or after they've given raises. So, hey, everybody's happy. Hey, scores are great. Well, then you go. But how is that helpful to anybody, right? right? That's like just collecting. It's like, it's not real. Yeah. And so that's what Office Vibe does is it just gives you data, data every week. And it it helps you give you, it gives you, when you zoom out, you can just see long-term trends. And Mm -hmm. it, it addresses, I don't have it open in front of me right now, but it addresses everything from wellness so relationship with peers, relationship with manager, like their how they feel tied to the mission of the company. You can kind of see these patterns over time. And, and it has helped us identify. There's also kind of a comment box, so to speak, or a suggestion box that people can either anonymously or put their name behind it, submit anything under the sun to, to Joe and I, which which is great because there, you know, there are times where People simply aren't comfortable saying, hey, I am having an issue with this person. We're butting heads and they want to keep it anonymous. And that's totally fine. But again, over time, it helps you identify trends. And and we have identified some things. I won't get into specifics, but where we have noticed there is an issue going on here and we need to take corrective action. Totally. And I love the, yeah, you, you get, you identify these patterns as opposed to the one-off survey. I think that's huge. And then I, I do love, like whenever we, it's funny if you see like, Somebody submits one of those anonymous comments. They don't say who they are, but they're able to... Sometimes I think it's people venting. Other times it's like, there is, a, there is something really here and, and we'll get that. And, and you know, if it, it's the end of the day when you, you, know, you, you get it, and you're like, oh, did you no, see that office vibe comment? And, and our immediate reaction is like, Ugh, like that's annoying or, or people just complaining, but then you sit on it for, for a minute or overnight and you're like, okay there's something here. Like we, we let's yeah. get to the bottom of this. And it opens really good conversations between us as, as owners and managers of these people to say like, okay, this is like the second or third time somebody has said something similar to this. There's something going on here and we got mm-hmm. to address it. And people would have been afraid to say those things sometimes if it wasn't anonymous. So while I love when people put their name on it and we can just go talk to them about it, I think it, it gives people the opportunity when, when they're not comfortable to that to still like voice well, an opinion on it. And you have to ultimately... I think that's why like those core values in the hiring process are so mm-hmm. important. Like if you have hired correctly and you have the right people at your company and in the right seats, that feedback is valid. And as much as like, I'll, I'll call you, I'm like getting ready to go for a run at four o'clock or whatever. And I'm like, I'm heated because somebody gave me some negative feedback or whatever. You nailed it. Like there is something there. And when I look at our team, I know we have really good people and, and I know we have good people because they have made it through this core value vetting process. They line up with our ideals and mission and, and all these things. So I need to listen to them at the end of the day. And I, I think it's a natural thing for a business owner or a manager or whatever to be like, ah, you know, like this, that can't be right or whatever. But then when you stop and think about it, it's like, 
there's probably something here and it probably needs to be listened to. And that, that tool has helped us do that. For sure. Well, th- this last topic I want to hit on here is one that we, we probably should do a full episode on sometime soon. That's recruiting. And you know, one thing in particular that we, we've been doing here for a while, which might be frowned upon by some, but I think as long as you're clear about expectations, it's fine. And that's, we leave our job postings open at all times. Yep. Now we, we stayed on there. We are currently hiring this for this position, or we are not currently hiring for this, but we're collecting resumes f- so that when we are hiring, we can contact you. And, and, and it's helped us build such a great pipeline of potential future candidates. So can you speak to sort of the impact the strategies had on, on our ability to recruit yeah. amazing people at Corolla? I mean, again, we have a few policies in place that, well, the 5% raise, for instance, where hopefully we have more time than little time to replace someone. But God forbid somebody comes in and was like, I'm quitting tomorrow. I'm not even giving you two weeks. I'm done. I'm tired of this. I'm out of here. We have a pool for any position we have of, depending on the role, I mean, developers in St. Louis, they're harder to find. Account service people, copywriters, or, or at least people who will apply for those jobs. I, I don't think everyone who applies for a copywriting job can actually copyright. You know, I, I don't think everyone that thinks or applies for an account service job can actually do account service. But from a purely applicant pool, we'll have 200, 250 people to start with from day one. Now, I try to kind of stay on top of those to kind of whittle out. I'm doing a bad job of it right now, but if I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing every Monday, I'm going in and I'm like, all right, who applied for all of our jobs last week? Let me look at all the resumes and let me sort them the proper way. Additionally, then we have automated emails that I trigger. I mean, they were written by me and I have to be the one that says, all right, send this email or send this email. But they, they ask for people to connect with me on LinkedIn, follow us on Instagram, And then, you know, you can add in those emails all sorts of things to kind of start to nurture, just like you would nurture a business lead to kind of nurture potential candidates. Well, they start following you on Instagram. Well, if you're doing Instagram correctly, like we talked about earlier, they're seeing what your culture looks like. They're they're watching. They're giving you a thumbs up there. And we have there are lots of people that are interested in working here. I mean, we've got roughly a thousand followers on Instagram, which is by no means setting the world on fire. But I would say of those thousand, probably 750 of them are people that would love to work here one day. That's pretty powerful, if you ask me. Absolutely. It's, it's actually, it's, it's striking to me as, you know, if you look at our roles at the company, yours versus mine, like you are pretty much in the people business, you know, recruiting, retention, building culture, like making this a great place to work, making sure people are happy here and growing. And then I'm, a majority of my role is spent doing marketing and sales for Gorilla. And it's it's actually striking how similar the processes kind of are. Like our recruiting process is this is the equivalent of of generating leads and nurturing them and building trust and attention with future customers. You're kind of doing the same thing, right? With with future employees, and it's a process. It's not you know if if I operated as as the business development guy, at Gorilla, as oh geez, we just lost a customer. I better go figure out how to win a new customer. Right. I mean, it would just be this, you know, this this hamster wheel where we're getting nowhere and we're freaking out and scrambling all the time. So we're constantly churning out content. We're nurturing people. We're you know delivering content to the right people. We're building trust in our business, and so our pipeline is always full. and And it's really the exact same thing that we're trying to do with yeah. people. And I think you need to think of it that way, right? Yeah, I, I've talked about this on 
another podcast. I've talked about it with you, but Jack Welch's winning book, I can't recommend it enough, but one of the biggest arguments he makes is that the HR role needs to be almost looked at. You you don't necessarily have to call somebody a chief people off chief people officer or whatever, but they need to have the buy-in from the C level suite that that you give that the same amount of respect and and responsibility that you give your CFO, your COO, your CIO, whatever that that people person. I mean. I honestly, I think it is a coin flip. It, it's a it's a chicken and chicken egg scenario. You can't you can't do the work you win if you don't have the team. You can't have the team if you don't win the work. So I mean, it's to me, it is a coin flip. I think they're 50-50 equal in terms of importance and responsibility. And if you're not taking the time, if you're if you're the person that's just phoning it in when it comes to to HR. I think you're going to fail. And I, I think you're going to have disgruntled employees. I think you're always going to be on that hamster wheel of trying to find people and replace people. And, 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 and look, our business, it's easy for me to sit here and say this. We're a 20 person company. We hire maybe three or four people a year. Some of the clients we work with are, you know, they're a thousand people organizations. They've got a lot of entry level types of employees that look, they're just trying to make a few bucks until they, you know, to pay their way through school while they work a night shift or whatever. So it's different, but I still think you need to invest and in, in focus on being a great place to work and, and making your employees happy. That's pretty much sums it up. I and mean, that's, that's like, that's what you're trying to do, right? You, you want to create a great work environment where people want to work there. They want to stay there. They believe they can grow and thrive there and advance their careers, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I remember one of the best bits of advice I got from Nordy Cohen at Musylvania whenever I was interviewing with him was, and I always try to tell people this, like, don't take a job where you're just going to be put in a corner and you're not going to have an opportunity to grow. And I think that is a responsibility of the employees or employer to provide a place where people can grow. If you don't, if people don't feel like they're going to grow, that's one of the biggest complaints that we'll get sometimes is, especially early on, we've gotten a lot better at this. We always told people like, just trust us. And we promise you there's a vision. It's hard to articulate what a career path here looks like, but now people are slowly starting to see it, I think. But for a long time, people were unhappy and leaving because in, and in their exit interview, it would straight up tell me, I don't know what the future looks like. I don't know what my path is. I don't, it, it all tied back to their personal growth. So if they're at a place where they don't feel like they're going to grow and get better and smarter, you're going to lose them. If they're good, if they're a good employee, like you want, they might be somebody who's just super happy coming in at nine, leaving at five, whatever, not ever worried about a raise. They just want to keep a steady income. They might stay, but the ones who are going to help you grow and get better, they're going to leave you if you're not if you're not thinking about it. For sure. Was there anything else I should have asked you but didn't? Something you want to touch on before we kind of put a bow on this guy? No, I've probably rambled enough here. I, <laughs> I, I could. I feel like I could talk about this stuff for hours. Oh yeah, yeah, and and we do pretty regularly. Yeah. So good. Well, this was a really good conversation. I, you know, it's part of our daily world and particularly yours, given the role you play here at, at our company, Gorilla76. But it was really cool to sit down and organize our thoughts and actually talk about this publicly. I hope people derive some value from it. I think they will. Yeah. And, and if anybody ever reaches out to you or they want to... I love learning from other HR people. I mean, I, yeah. I know a fraction. I, I have no background in this, no training. I've kind of learned it as I, as I go. 
But if if anybody's listening and they they work in this field and they have ideas or would want to just spitball with me, I am I am an open book and I would love to to learn myself. So, what's the best way to get in touch with you on, on that note? I'd say just email me John J O N at gorilla like the animal G O R I L L A seven six dot com, and and that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. Cool. Find John on LinkedIn and and Instagram as well. Yeah. I imagine right. Yep. Awesome. And uh, yeah, I guess that that kind of sums it up. So I, I, I want to say thank you again to our sponsor, Cadenas Part Solutions, for helping make this episode possible. And John, as I will call you for the last time, hopefully in a while, as opposed to Franco, thanks again for taking the time to join today. No, thanks for having me. It was awesome. Yeah, you bet. As for the rest of you, I hope to catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Executive. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Executive Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about industrial marketing and sales strategy, you'll find an ever-expanding collection of articles, videos, guides, and tools specifically for B2B manufacturers at gorilla76.com slash learn. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.